ransacked Jerusalem, pillaged, took thousands of her people captive, and took them into exile in Babylon. Now, back again, they had no intention of leaving anything behind but rubble. But behind the walls, the people in Jerusalem had hope. You see, in the city of Jerusalem, there was a temple. And in that temple was a room called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, so the Bible tells us, dwelt the eternal, living, holy God. It was an almighty God who had called them his chosen people, who had promised to be their fierce defenders. So as the attack began and the gates began to rattle, they said, surely, Surely God will help us hold the gates, and the gates fell. And they looked to the walls and said, Surely God will help us hold the walls, and the walls fell. And as the armies of Babylon rushed in, they said, Surely God will not let us be overrun. And they were overran. And retreating back to the temple, Surely, surely God will not let his temple fall. And they trembled as the temple walls were torn down. Finally, more desperate than hopeful, they said, surely God will not let the Holy of Holies fall. This is his seat, his throne on earth. Surely he will protect it. And they wept as it was torn down brick by brick. They said to each other, God is either dead or has abandoned us. And they looked around for hope, for help, for anything at all. And all they saw was each other broken. Now, I've, I've felt like that personally, man, and I'm wondering if you guys have too. It's that feeling when life comes swinging at you hard, man, and it's some, it's some struggle, some tragedy, some kind of pain, right? But you make it through. You pass through and you say, man, that hurt. That was hard. But at least I'm still standing, right? And just as you begin to regain your balance, just as you get steady again, life comes at you again, and this time you can't take it. Right, Whatever's in your heart, whatever's in your holy of holies that you cling to to get you through life, whether that's faith in God, your friends, your family, the person that you love, maybe it's your own strength. I know I've caught myself saying, I've got this. I'm Jake the cussing drummer. <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever it is that you cling to to get through life, man, it collapses, and you find yourself on the ground, bloodied and broken right? And you look around. You look around for help. You look around for hope, and all you see are other bloodied, broken people, and you ask yourself, where's the hope in that? Who could help me, right? Maybe you've been on the other side of that question. Someone comes up to you and says, listen, man, I need help. Can you please help me up? And you just want to scream, I can't. Look at me. Don't you see me? I'm bloodied. I'm broken. I can barely stand up myself. How could I possibly help you? How could I help anybody? And that's exactly what happened to a man named Ezekiel in the Bible. Uh, we meet Ezekiel 10 years before the fall of Jerusalem. He wrote us a book, an autobiography, right? Conveniently titled Ezekiel. Um, in the first verse, he says, The heavens were opened and I saw visions of God, which is a really, really good hook. Like, that's, that's how you draw your reader in, man. So I saw visions of God, and this is what he sees. This is what God tells him. God says, Ezekiel, I'm mad. Ezekiel, I'm furious. My people have not been following my law. And here's the deal 
Here's the deal with the law is the law is a really big deal um, to the Israelites and to God. Um, the Bible says that you know, thousands of years before, before Ezekiel, God gave the law to Israel just as they were beginning to found their nation. Right? And the law did three things. First was it set them apart from the other nations around them. It was kind of a badge, a mark of honor that, hey, we are God's chosen people. Right? It also taught them how to, how to worship God, how to have a relationship with God, right? how to serve him, how to worship him, and how to be served by him. And the third part of the law is really, really interesting to look at um, with a modern eye, with what we know about germ theory, hygiene, how diseases spread, and also just what we know about the problems that a, a society faces. Right? A lot of this law was, hey, don't eat that. It'll probably kill you. So if you're sick, if you're sick, go quarantine yourself, right? So you don't get everyone else sick, right? It's, it's a, and then it's a lot of, hey, take care of the poor, take care of the widows. One of the laws actually is there shall be no poor in Israel. And it kind of goes, it goes beyond that. So the law is also, it was the best way that Israel could possibly live according to God. And in the context of the Bible, that makes a lot of sense, Right? God made them. He designed them, right? He knows what they're made for, what they're designed for. He knows exactly what the best thing for them is. And so when they stop living that way, when they begin to move outside the law, right, God would punish them to bring them back into it, right? It's a little bit like a parent grounding their child for sneaking out. Like, hey, I bet that was fun, but if you do that every night, you're going to destroy yourself. So just come here and stay here for a little bit, right? It's kind of like that, except instead of a child, you have a whole nation. Instead of a parent, you have uh, an almighty God. So maybe it's nothing like that at all. <laughs> um, but, but that's the point. When they would walk, when they would leave the law, God would punish them a little bit to bring them back into the law. And so God tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I'm mad. No one is following my law. So I'm going to punish them. And they are so far away from my law that this punishment is going to be big. And I want you, Ezekiel, I want you to go warn people. See, this doesn't have to happen. If they can come back without me punishing them, then I don't have to punish them. So go, Ezekiel, warn these people. And he goes back to his town, and he does absolutely nothing. He sits in silence. He says, I sat in the bitterness and in the anger of my spirit. Did nothing. So God comes back at the end of this week. Well, Ezekiel's being silent, and he was mad before. Now he's enraged. Ezekiel, what's up, buddy? All right, I gave you a mission. I told you to go warn my people. And you know what? You want to sit there in silence? Guess what? Mute. No more talking for Ezekiel. But you ain't off the hook, buddy. You ain't off the hook. See, you still have to go and warn people, and no, I won't let you talk. You still have to go and warn people, and this is so important. If you don't warn them, the blood of every person who dies will be on your hand. The soul of every person who dies will be weighed against yours. You really need to go do this. Right? Um, right? And look, listen, you don't have to change them. Right? You don't have to convince them, but you do have to try. That's all I'm asking. Just try. And so Ezekiel, feeling a little bit of pressure, goes out, um, mute, trying to figure out how we can express this message, right? And instead of doing what I would do, which is writing everything down and just kind of showing it to people, like, hey, look, um, he turns to what I consider the often underappreciated art of street performance, 
And this is, like, this is real. This is a prophet of God, like, dancing in the streets, doing street performance. Um, here's some of the things he did, man. He, he took a brick, a big old brick, and set it down and etched a picture of Jerusalem on it, right? Set, like, an iron griddle in front of it, like a wall, and built a little dirt army, and then jumped on top of the picture of Jerusalem, right? Being like, hey, this is going to get destroyed, trying to show people, and, and no one listened. No one cared. So... He figures, you know, maybe people want a little, you know, a little nuance, a little subtlety in their prophecy. So he lies on his side, his left side, for 390 days and rolls over onto his right side, lays there for 40 days, right? Symbolizing the years that this punishment will last. No one gets it, right? Okay, maybe a little too subtle. So now he gets up, he cuts off his beard, he cuts off his hair, very carefully, weighs it out into thirds, right? Takes a third and throws it into the fire, wishing he could say, guys, if we don't come back to the law, a third of us are going to burn in the fire when the city falls. And takes another third and he throws it out into the wind and lets it scatter, wishing he could say, guys, if we don't come back to the law, right, a third of us are going to be scattered across the nations, right? We'll be hunted, hounded, chased down. And then he takes a third and he walks through the city, throwing clumps of it up into the air and slicing it with a sword, wishing he could scream, guys, if we don't come back, follow God's law, a third of us will die in war. Still, no one listens. And he spends a decade doing this, a decade making himself a symbol of God's coming punishment. And he doesn't write down what happened in that decade, but I bet it sucked. Like, Making yourself a picture of God's punishment cannot be a pleasant time, right? So this decade goes on, and just before, just before Jerusalem falls, God comes to him. He says, listen, Ezekiel, I've got some really bad news, man. Your wife is dying. Your wife's going to die. And here's the thing, I need something from you. When she dies, I need you not to mourn in public, Right? Because here's the thing. This is do or die. I'm about to bring my punishment. This is the very last chance your people, my people have to come back, man. And you know, I know they haven't been listening to you, but they're looking at you. So I need you to not mourn your wife because the people of Israel won't have a chance to mourn when this happens. In fact, this is so important, Ezekiel. I'll let you talk again. All right? So after 10 years, Ezekiel finally gets to talk. His wife dies, and he goes about his day. Doesn't mourn her in public, doesn't do any of the mourning customs that the Israelites had, just goes about his day. Normally, and the people come up to him and go, hey, man, what's going on? Like, we knew you were crazy. We didn't realize you were heartless, right? Where's, why aren't you mourning your wife? And he tells them, if we don't come back to God's law, this coming punishment, man, we won't have the chance to mourn after it happens. And people did what people are in the habit of doing is ignore him. They ignored him. And so Jerusalem falls. Jerusalem falls. And now, finally, all these people he's been trying to warn come to him and go, holy crap, you were right. Um, so listen, Ezekiel, um, our home is destroyed. We're no longer exiles. We're refugees. We're a, a nationless people. Um, it seems like God has abandoned us. Uh, you seem to be pretty on the ball, man. What's going on? Help us. 
help us, man. And Ezekiel, remember now, is he's a very broken man. Not only has his wife just died, but he spent 10 years mute, acting out God's punishment on Israel, on himself. This is a battered and beaten man, and a battered and broken people come to him asking him for help. All right? And this is what happens. This is what happens after that, man. God comes back to Ezekiel, gives him another vision. And this vision's a little bit weird. It may or may not involve zombies. Um, and <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, and look, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the weirdness of this, but that's, if you do, you're missing the point, right? So let's dive into this. Um, chapter 37, verses 1 and 2. It's the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. All right, now Ezekiel is trying to set the scene here, and I want to help him out a little bit, right? We find um, later in the passage, we find out that this valley of bones is the site of an ancient battle, right? So these bones, are, these are not like nice Smithsonian intact skeletons, right? They have got, they've got notches in them for where swords and arrows have pierced all the way through the skin. Their skulls are caved in, right? There's that guy's chest, and I think that might be his leg over there. Kind of, this is a place of, of death, right? It's a monument to death. And this isn't just a place of death. It's, they're in the desert, right? So this is a place of death in a place where life struggles to exist, right? Because life doesn't exactly flourish in the desert, right? In the desert, life skitters and it scurries and it stings, right? The desert's the place where on those rare occasions that the clouds come and blot out the sun and the rain comes down, the little bit of life there is in the desert kind of bursts forth grasping madly and vainly for every little bit of relief and comfort it can find. And when the clouds pass and the sun comes back out, that little bit of life wilts and it withers and wastes away. So this is a place of death in a place where life struggles to exist at all. And in this place, God asks Ezekiel this question. He, said, he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And I don't know the tone. I don't know the tone that Ezekiel was using here, um, but I know the tone I'd use. Uh, God showing up has not been a good thing so far, right? This is not a, a rewarding relationship with God that Ezekiel has had up to this point, right? And so if God asked me in this place of death within a place where life struggles to exist, Jake the drummer, can these bones live? I'd be like, hey man, you might know, but I sure as hell don't, right? <laughs> little sarcasm, little frustration, little anger. Again, I don't know how Ezekiel responded, but I bet you he had to at least choke that answer back. Um, so yeah, and God responds to him. God responds. He, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I look, uh, but there was not, whoops, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was not breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Right, so remember when I said this was weird? It's a literal army of zombies that just got like necromanced into being. (laughs) Um... And this is, people get really caught up in this. There's people, people who need to explain this away and said, oh, it was just a vision. It wasn't a miracle. On the flip side of that, hundreds of years after this, there was a group of people that actually claimed to be the ancestors of the zombie army. Um, but again, the zombies aren't the point, right? Zombies aren't what we want to focus in on, man. Let's see what Ezekiel wants us to see, right? Um, 37, 11. Then he said to me, son of man, These bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Right? And we felt that, right? We felt that. Like our bones are dry. Look around for help. Find nothing. Feeling like we're cut off from the people around us. Right? So God says, therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, right? And there's the promise, right? It's a promise for Israel. It's also a promise for us. God will bring us life, right? But I personally, I don't like vague promises. If God's going to bring me life, I want to know exactly how, if I can. And we can. We can look at, let's look back at how God does this, right? He says, these bones are my people. So let's look at how he brought life to those bones. And let's start by looking at what God didn't do, right? He didn't bring Ezekiel out and say, son of man, witness what I will do. And then bring life to the bones and say, hey, go tell him, right? This wasn't like a hold my beer moment. Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Hold my beer. Boom, (laughs) right? Not exactly how that went down. Um, right? This is, this is how it went down. This is how this happened. He said, son of man, prophesy, right? Ezekiel wasn't an audience member. He wasn't an observer of this. He was a participant. He took part in it, right? God brought life to those bones through him, right? Son of man, prophesy and see what I will do through you. Son of man, prophesy and see the life that I will bring through you, right? And here's, here's the lesson, man. Here's the point, is God will bring life to us, and he's going to do it through us, right? God brings life to us, through us. Ezekiel is one of the most broken and beaten men in the Bible, and God used him to bring life to a beaten and broken people. And I want to pause here for a second, and I want you guys to do something for me. Just look, look around, look at each other, Take a, t- seriously, do it, right? All right, all right, you can, you can look at me again. Um, listen, in that moment, right, in that moment while, while we're looking around at each other, each and every single one of us is Ezekiel looking across the valley of dry bones, right? And see, I know this. I know this because all of us are hurting in some way. All of us have some kind of dry bones, right? And some of you, I know exactly what that is. 
I know exactly how you're hurting. I know exactly what your dry bones look like. There's others of you, I don't know what it looks like, but I see it in you. I see dry bones in you, and I can see it because I've seen it in myself, right? And some of you, I don't see it at all. Some of you, I don't see it at all, but I do know this, man. I've walked, I've (laughs) known enough people from enough walks of life to know that no one goes through life without some kind of brokenness, right? All of us are the valley of dry bones, and God wants to bring life to us. Also, at the same time, all of us are Ezekiel, and God wants to bring life through us, right? God will bring life to us, through us, but that means we need to be in each other's lives, right? How else can he do it, right? And look, there's life to be found here in this service, right? Just in gathering together, there's, there's life there. You can find it in the sermon, hopefully. You can find it in the songs, right? You might find it just hanging out with each other, right? And when we find that life, man, we do grasp for it, right? Especially if we're hurting, especially if we're broken. We grasp for that life. But here's the thing is if our experience with the church ends, and the church, by the way, the church is not staff, right? The church is not the sermons and the songs, right? The church isn't even the... That, that organization called Colorado Life Church, right? That's not the church. The church is us. All of us here, each and every single person gathered here is the church, not a part of the church. We are the church. So if our experience with the church, our experience with each other ends when we walk out that door, the life that we found here will wilt, it will wither, and it will waste away, right? See, we need to be in each other's lives. We need to be asking each other, hey, man, how are your bones doing? Are they dry? Are they dry? Tell me about it. Right, and this is what this looks like, man. This, is, this looks like sitting down for coffee with someone. When you are so burnt out, you can barely follow the conversation, right? You can barely even know what they're saying. But, you know, sometimes people just need to talk, right? This looks like staying up way later than you want to, talking to some dude you barely know, Right, only to find out later that this was the first significant, deep, genuine human contact he'd had in years. Right, and it doesn't have to be that dramatic, really. This is, this is a phone call, right? This is a text message. This is picking up the phone when it rings, right? And just saying, hey, man, status report. How's those bones doing? Right, now for Christians, right, for us Christians in the room, this looks a little bit, there's a little bit more. Right? This also includes, this includes reading the Bible together, right? Praying together, worshiping together, all of that's really important. But it's really easy to do that and miss out on actually being in each other's lives. Right? If you've got a group of people that you're meeting with, or even if you're just doing this on your own, man, if you've got a group of people you're meeting with and you're reading the Bible and you're praying and you find yourself praying, God, I need life. God, where's the life? God, my bones are dry. Ask yourself, man, if you guys are checking in on each other, how your bones doing? See, we need that. That's important. God brings life to us, through us. And here, for those of us here that don't believe, right? And maybe you've got people in your life saying, hey, man, how your bones doing? And maybe you're asking people, hey, dude, tell me how dry your bones are, right? Maybe you've got all of that and you're still feeling something missing. You're still not quite filled up with life. Your bones are still dry, man. You're missing something, and I know what it is. It's Jesus, right? And let me explain this to you, man. See, God brings life to us through us, man. And through Jesus, God became one of us, 
right? He was fully God and fully human. He kind of snuck into that us that I keep saying, right? So God brings life to us through us. That also means God brings life to us through him, through Christ, through Jesus, right? So that's the first kind of part of the equation. The other part is we need to be in each other's lives. So if you want that life, man, you got to get into each other's lives, right? You and Jesus got to get into each other's lives. And here's how you make Jesus a part of your life, right? It's really easy. It's just belief, right? And there's a lot of things that Christians believe about Jesus, but there's only two that really, really matter, man. And that's that Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven, was buried in a tomb, three days later rose again, defeating death. And in those two things, we have two promises, man. The first is, yeah, the promise of eternal life in the future. But the second, and the one that I love so much more, the second is life right now, right here, the healing of dry bones today, in this moment, right? We don't have to wait for that. All you got to do is believe for that and drop God a line. Be like, hey, dude, I'm in. I believe. But that's only step one. Yeah? Now you've got Jesus in your life. You've got to get into his. And here's how you do that, man. You open a Bible. And you can get one on your phone. You can get one back there. We've got a stack of them. Open, open your Bible. First four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right? We call those the Gospels. And in them is the life of Jesus. And get into it. See what he says. See what he does. See what he asks you to do. And then go try and do it. And look, I promise you, I promise you are going to screw that up. Right? At least I do. Constantly, but it's okay. Because just like Ezekiel didn't have to actually change anyone, he just had to try. We just have to try. And when we do that, we find Jesus sitting right next to us being like, hey man, can't help noticing those bones are a little dry. Right? Let me do something about that. And I'm telling you right now, man, that is, there is nothing quite like feeling dry bones being healed. It's, it's, it's very nice. Uh, yeah, how's that for eloquent? Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, listen, man, it, you want to know more? You talk to me, talk to any Christian in this room, right? After the service, we know. So yeah, let's wrap this up. God brings life to us through us, so we need to be in each other's lives. And I really, really, really want you to remember that, right? God brings life to us, through us, so we need to be in each other's lives, right? So here's what I want you to do, man. I want you to think right now who's in your life. Who's checking in with you, man? Who's asking, hey, how are your bones doing? Are they dry? Tell me about it, right? And then whose life are you in, who are you asking? Hey, dude, tell me about your bones. Right? Now, listen, if, if you aren't asking anyone that question, I guarantee there's someone in this room right now that needs you to, that wants you to. Right? And if that person is you, again, I guarantee there's someone in this room who will, who wants to ask you, who's curious, man, how your bones are doing. And, and I want us to find each other. I want you to find each other. And listen, if you need someone to ask you how your bones are, you can come, come talk to me. That's awesome. But listen, I can't do that for all y'all, right? Staff can't do that for all of us, right? As a church, as a group of people gathered together, we need to look 
towards each other. We need to turn towards each other, right? Get in each other's lives, find out how our bones are doing, right? I want to reread um, one of these verses. This is 37.10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Right? Listen, guys, folks, guys and gals, listen. If we can do this, if we can be in each other's lives, give God the chance, the opportunity to bring life to us, through us, we go from a valley of dry bones to a mighty army, right? Ready to triumph together over whatever life throws our way, man. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that army with you, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, right? Just kicking the crap out of life. I want that. I'll do. Stop giggling. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want that, guys. I want to stand together in an army with you guys. Man, just killing life. Um, so I want that, man. Do you guys want that? Do we want that? And if we do want that, it's easy. Well, it's simple. It's hard, but it's simple to get, man. We just need to get into each other's lives. Man, let God do what he does, do what he wants to do, do what he's dying to do, and bring life to us, through us. Man, let's do that. And I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for uh, knocking over mics and messy stages. And God, I also thank you for these people. Um, God, I love every single person here, um, and I'm so glad to get the chance to talk to them. Lord, I pray as we uh, turn our attention now from, um, from ourselves, man, and up back up to you. God, I pray that you turn your attention down to us. Find our dry bones, Lord, and heal them. In your name, amen.